1: This is Red
0: Sox beat on CLNS Radio. I
2: think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it, because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will.
0: I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame.
1: Achievement or a new milestone, they don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. like
0: Now, to your hosts. All right, Red Sox fans, Red Sox beat CLNS Radio, of course. Jess Thomas, Lauren Campbell, Jared Scalley here um, on CLNS Radio. Of course we are brought to you by blue apron don't forget to go uh, get your first three meals for free it's easy blue apron.com slash sox beat type that into your url uh, you're going to get your first three meals for free with free shipping love having them as a partner of the show um, so go on and do that now don't forget as well on twitter we are redsox underscore beat facebook Red Sox beat podcast if you want to check us out um, on itunes write your view and subscribe to us that'd be awesome and share share the wealth share the knowledge that we provide uh, of course if you're listening to us on stitcher uh, anywhere really um, we love it and we love the support Um, last edition during the Red Sox season as the season has come to an end. um, Guys obviously not expecting to be swept by the Indians, but obviously kind of a really quick halting end to David Ortiz's career and the Red Sox season.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what's the most disappointing is how not so much the season ended, but how Ortiz's career ended.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. It's like I mean, obviously losing the playoffs is never fun, but in the past with, like, 2009, you know, different years that they got swept, you know, they got swept by the White Sox that year, 2006, they got swept in the ALDS, and it's like, wow, that happened fast, but, like, it's like, all right, move on next year, you got made the playoffs, it's all good, but this this one, oh, you got swept. Oh, and David Ortiz's career is over, by the way. It's like, whoa, double whammy, hold on, and it just made it, like, 20 times worse than it already was.
0: Yeah, and the worst part about it, I mean, not the worst part about it, but the nicest part about it was that that organic moment afterwards, you know? The last out mm-hmm. happened, and right away, as soon as it happened, the crowd flipped over at Fenway to chanting Ortiz, wanting Ortiz. Um, obviously, we give huge credit to Ortiz for waiting, letting the Indians celebrate, and then the Red Sox brought him back out afterwards. And obviously, that moment was amazing, but it's obviously a quick halt to the end of the season. Um, so, for the final time this year, let's get Jess's recap, um, and this will be the last one until spring training. Um, just to recap the quick little thing that's happened this past week, and then we'll move on and talk over other news that's happening around your Boston Red Sox. Yeah,
2: it was. Uh, yeah, game three. Clay Buckholtz, Josh Tomlin. The season rode on Clay's shoulders, and he was fine. He gave up two runs and six hits and in four innings. Yes, there was base runners in every inning, but he did fine and he kept them in the ball game. Um, unfortunately, the Indians scored first, so they took a two nothing lead in the fourth, and a Tyler Naquin two RBI single. Um, the Sox weren't doing much against Josh Tomlin early, and then uh, in the fifth inning. Andrew Benintendi got an RBI single drive in Bogarts, and it was it was kind of funny at this point because we were we were just basically like, "Oh my god, runs! What's this? <laughs> Never heard of this before. What's a run?" Like I literally, I was just like, I couldn't believe it. It's been so long since the Sox had scored a run. It was just like, it was just I couldn't believe it. So so that was great. I got a run, made it two to one. But then, good old friend. Covelli Lois Crisp, otherwise known as Coco Crisp. <laughs> in case no <laughs> I'm one so knew his happy and just
0: broke out the full name. I'm so happy to say that. <laughs> I love his full name.
2: I love his name too. I can't get enough of it. So good old friend Coco cranked a two run job in the uh, sixth inning off Drew Pomerantz. And I was the only hit the Pomerantz gave up in his inning in a third. Um, and it was an unfortunate unfortunate one. It made it a four to one and at that point obviously everyone was like, Oh, 4-1 in the 6, are we really going to get swept here? But you can't lose the faith. The Sox made a run at it. David Ortiz had a sack fly in the 6th inning to make it, in the bottom of the 6th, to make it 4-2, coming back a little bit. Uh, and then in the 8th inning, Hanley Ramirez got an RBI single, driving bets. That made it 4-3. to And then this was right after Ortiz walked in his final at-bat of his career. We didn't know if it would be at that point, but he walked, Hanley drove in, Bets Ortiz went to second, and then at that point, John Farrell pinch ran for, for Ortiz because obviously you can't leave him in there because you're trying to tie the game and win the game. And if you do that, it's not his last at bat of his career. So he brought Marco Hernandez to try to get that tying run, and Xander Bogarts lined out to second base on a rip, and uh, that ended the inning. The Sox couldn't score again, lost four to three, and it was just it was so frustrating because Cody, Cody Allen thrown forty pitches in game one, he threw forty pitches again. In this game, Andrew Miller threw 35 pitches again. So Franco was totally wearing out the two of them again, and Allen looked tired. And the Sox were really threatening against them, and they just couldn't get that one big hit. And the story of this game was so frustrating the whole game. The Sox were rocketing balls all over the ballpark, and they're all almost all of them were out. There was so many opportunities in this game.
0: Can I tell you yeah. too, that moment when Ortiz got on base? He was jacking up the crowd. He was. Going crazy, trying to get the crowd going up, and then Hanley hit that ball, and I was like, that's going to, and in my head I thought, okay, this is going to work out, we're going to win this game, that's going to be another David Ortiz moment in the history of the playoffs for David Ortiz. Not something typical, because usually he does it with his bat, but if if that worked out, David Ortiz getting the crowd on their feet, going crazy, would have been another David Ortiz moment. I mean, it was still, but it would have been a long list of postseason memories for David Ortiz.
1: Yeah no doubt and when you know when somebody has that impact on the fans you can just tell like how amped up he was because he knew like exactly when he got on base like what could happen and you know and yeah it was the right move taking him out but it was like just like like you said it was so frustrating watching that game because the Red Sox were absolutely absolutely just hammering the ball all over like left right center field everywhere and they just couldn't Get the ball to drop quick enough. They couldn't get it out of the, out of Fenway, and I'm just like, "Oh my God, we're gonna get swept," and we did.
2: I know like bets like bets that should have been that should have been a home run. You know, it was off the middle of the wall. It's like normally in the regular season, like oh, a hard hit ball that's gonna be a home run. There's so many things just, just went wrong enough to not make it work, unfortunately. And yeah, I mean, Ortiz knew the situation. You know, the the crowd wasn't into it much because the Sox are having trouble scoring runs, and it was you know it was just like. That was the moment he got on base. He knew this was huge. He knew just a couple of runs, meat of the order, you know, coming up against tired pitching. He he was ready for it, and he tried to get him into it, and they were into it. And everything was right there. If Bogarts could have just gotten one hit, if he could have just lifted the ball six more inches over his head, tie game. Oh, It was, like, it was so frustrating. And, yeah, in terms of taking out Ortiz, like, I get they left him at first because, you know, obviously – you might still need him at some point but when you get into second and you're down one you have to take him out at that point because he's so slow and if you lose the game because he gets thrown out at, at first and then it's coming at home and then his career ends anyway like you got it you got to manage for the game you can't manage for him
0: and not even getting thrown out at home too but like what if it's something where Butterfield had to hold him up and and then they don't get a hit in the next batter and then he sits stuck on third rather than if a ball for Hernandez um is an easy you know what I mean it's that situation too so it was too risky. It was obviously the right baseball decision. I think a lot of people disagreed it with it because no one wanted to take him out. But I think he got the ovation he deserved. He got the crowd jacked up when he came out. Um, and I think it, it was it was a nice send-off, obviously, with the kind of extra send-off coming after the game.
2: Yeah, obviously, that was great. You know, getting, getting to walk out one more time and, and wave to everybody, tip his cap. I mean, no one left. Everyone stayed for that. It was just... That was a good moment. And it was... It was sad because you could tell that he wasn't ready for it either. Like everyone thought we were going to be playing more baseball. I said in the last show, I was like, "There's the probability of losing this game is so low," and I really believed it. And I believed it the whole game, even when the Sox were down, I was like, "It's only a couple runs." I was like, "We got this great offense," and they did get going. They got they got a couple runs. Everything worked out great. They just didn't get that one last run. It's just so shocking that that was the end of the season and end of his career. And I don't think he I don't think he was like prepared for it either.
1: Yeah, I think that's what really sucked most about that loss was like, okay, he's like, we have to process the Red Sox getting swept, the Red Sox getting knocked out of the playoffs, and losing the best designated hitter that the Red Sox or really any of baseball has ever seen. So it's like that's three things that us as fans have to take in, and we're like, okay, one thing at a time, because it's (laughs) like, I mean, Ortiz's you know last ovation was wicked emotional. You could tell like he was fighting back tears. People. And the stands were crying, and it's like, oh, like, hold on. Wait a second. Too many emotions right now. And they don't
2: give you time to process all of them because it all happens at once. I
1: know. (laughs) Stop.
2: Stop. One thing at a time, all right? Don't retire yet. Hold on, Ortiz. (laughs) Wait. Stay there, okay? Give us an hour, all right? I know. Ugh.
0: It's tough. Tough way to end it. I mean, one thing I will say is at least it was a really good, authentic moment, like I said, after the game. You know, I mean,. It sucked that the reporters had to be out there. Like, I would have liked him to be out there by himself, but obviously I get it. They're, look, yeah. they're getting pictures. They're doing their job. But um, it would have been really awesome if they just let him have the moment because we all know those cameras can get pictures from pretty far away. Um, it would have been nice that's... if they if they didn't come to the mound and they just let him stand there and kind of take it all in by himself. Right. But then on I the think...
2: other hand, you think about how that's like their big moment. Like, I'm getting this incredible photograph right now. Oh, exactly. I guess, I mean, they're used to. I mean, the players are so used to that. You for, you don't even realize because you're watching sitting there watching interviews, you know, on TV, and you just see the player, and then you don't realize how there's like 25 reporters huddle around like in a semicircle around the player because you don't see any of that, and it's it's shocking when you actually see that live, and you're like, whoa. All these people are all around this, and they deal with that every day, every second of every day. They're so used to it. So he probably didn't even notice them. He's probably just like, oh, thanks, fans. Oh, there's photographers here, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, for us, like, we know what's on the other side of that because, like, the three of us have all been to games, covered games, you know, covered practices, things like that. So we know the media scrum's there. Um, But people at home sometimes forget that. You know, people at home think, oh, give him his space. Well, you know what? He's used to having a mic down his throat during (laughs) post-game interviews. So um, I I think he he was okay with it. I don't think he even realized they were there um because you know you, you don't see david ortiz emotional too much um like that kind of situation you don't see he him in tears world. like it it was really weird um to see him like that and it really shows you one any conspiracy theory of him coming back next year probably not true um he really i think is done he understands that he's done he knows what he did for the game um and it was very emotional to see him do that and tear up like that. It was awesome to see in terms of the raw emotion finally he we showed because he's getting he's been getting gifts all year. The Red Sox berated him with three ceremonies like this was the real the first kind of real organic emotional tie to his retirement that we had seen from him
1: yeah when you when you put it like that, I mean I know he had the ceremonies and all the teams had all the ceremonies and he had gifts and tributes and everything and to kind of have a moment for himself where you know it's, it's not really planned per se and it's not um like there's no tributes there's no emotional video messages or anything it's just kind of David Ortiz on the mound for the last time saluting everybody at Fenway like it it really was like that raw kind of moment that you love in baseball but at the same time it's just like no like please please don't retire <laughs> <laughs>
2: He should have stood on the plate, though. I don't care why he stood on the mound. He's a batter. <laughs> <laughs> Stand in the wrong place, man. Get get behind that plate. No, it doesn't matter, but still, it's <laughs> it's kind of, kind of a funny thing. But it's just, that's just baseball for it. It's a really hard sport to win in and to have a perfect final season. He couldn't have had a more perfect regular season in terms of playing and in terms of how all well that went out. So it just goes to show you, It's you know, it's it players rarely have perfect, 100% complete, like, final years of great year championship like that just doesn't happen
0: you know no it doesn't and if he if they did something this year and if they really pushed that would have been the ultimate ultimate story like you couldn't have wrote that script any better if they did somehow win this year right
2: and the fact that he was hoping for his fourth championship not his first you know not even his second his fourth championship that's a lot to ask for
0: (laughs) yeah i mean he got three as it is and one of them probably shouldn't have happened but he put that team on his back in 2013 um So another, obviously, chapter that shouldn't have... Because we all know that team shouldn't have won that World Series, and they did because of him. So um, we obviously wrote the history book there with him, and obviously we're going to miss him. And it's, gonna, it's not really going to hit any of us, I think, until spring training. So he's not playing next year. When he's yeah, not there. Totally. Or when he's there and not as a player. And then, like, you watch games and you watch opening day, and he's not there. And that's going to be weird. So and we'll obviously dive into what the Red Sox need to do on the offseason of how to fill that void and things like that. And that will be for we have plenty of time to talk about that um and the wonderful option it's so weird though
2: it's just so weird There's like cuz we're used you know he doesn't play an interleague series cuz he's does a dh you know like he misses two or three games here one game here and even when he misses just those few games you're like oh, it's so weird not having him play and the fact that's going to be every game is going to be so
0: weird oh I know. cuz even one game is weird so having it be cuz he's always there he's a staple yeah.
2: he's always in the, middle of the lineup as long as we've been watching you know it's just like it's gonna be odd. Yeah, having not it be right. every
0: game is gonna be very, very awkward. Um, but we'll obviously handle that when the time comes, and there might be some tears on this show, probably by by some people, because it's gonna be weird. Um, we'll get used being... to it,
2: though. We got used to it not having Dawn or Solo. You know, it's you move on eventually. It's just it's just strange.
0: We all thought Pedro would always play for pitch forever, and he, we see he is being old and on MLB Network. So um, definitely, we'll be used to it. Um, and there is the final recap of the season from Jess Thomas. Uh, Next, we'll be back, obviously, with spring training for those recaps. And, of course, that is brought to you by Audible. And, of course, we love having Audible on as a new sponsor of the show. Um, So definitely go on and check them out. It's a great source for audio books and all sorts of things. So definitely go on and check it out. Um, Guys, a lot, obviously, with the recap and the game that we lost and the Red Sox being swept, but there's stuff going on. But before we get into... Some news, obviously, coming down with the Red Sox and the, and, and Hazen and what's going to happen with the Blue and all these things and the John Farrell decision that we all know by now um, that he's coming back. But, but let's just first kind of go back to the series. W- what happened to this team? It was a team that won the American League East, best offense in baseball almost all year, if not all year. Um, and now all of a sudden these guys like Bogarts, Betts, Benintendi, um, most of them looked bad. Benintendi looked okay, but... Other than that, bets didn't look great. Bogarts was, wasn't was great the whole second half, um, and the bats were dead. And I don't know, was it more Cleveland pitching fi- coming out, of, obviously, with Miller? Um, or was it the Red Sox couldn't handle the bright lights? These young kids could not handle the bright lights. Was it something like that?
1: I mean, it makes you wonder something like that. But then you have 22-year-old Andrew Benintendi, who looks like he's 16 years old, who, had, who has – more maturity and patience at the plate than a lot of newcomers coming in and I think he handled the postseason jitters or postseason stress whatever it may be like I think he handled that and out of Bogarts bats, even Bradley Jr like I feel like he was or Benintendi was the most comfortable looking and I don't know if this team was just tired or they just I mean they just kind of imploded I like, it's and it's weird it's not like you know, I know they lost lost five out of the six games or whatever, but they were still putting up runs, and they were still. But I don't know, like they, they're, I, they look tired, and I mean it's understandable. It's a long season, but you know we're we're, we're World Series champs before. I don't. I, it's it's confusing.
2: You hey, play the whole season to play these games, and it's just like right. You get to this point, it's like, oh, all right, we're just gonna lay down now. I mean, the whole thing was weird, just after winning the eleven games in a row and being so hot. It just it happened a week too early, I guess, and it's just finishing the season losing seven out of eight. And it's just kind of, kind of weird. And yeah, besides Ben and I think he's an outlier. The rest of them definitely looked kind of, uh, kind of struck by the by the situation. Um, and is yeah, Bradley Junior. can do do anything he looked terrible Bogart's looked pretty weak until the last game he got a couple hits looked a little better Betts obviously didn't do what he's been doing all season which is hit the crap out of the ball MVP style and you know Ortiz didn't play well it was just like nobody you know Pedroia only had a couple hits nobody really did well except Brock Holt and it's just like I don't know I feel like it was kind of the bright lights it's just like they tell everyone tells you you know, play it just like the regular season. Play the playoffs just like the regular season. It's the same game. But I think guys just see, you know, see the attention, see the spotlight. Everyone's watching you. And they just, you know, Bradley couldn't hit a fastball. Sandy Leone couldn't hit a curveball. But could it's going hit a curveball, that's couldn't hit much anything. They just, I don't know. Everyone just seemed to forget how to play baseball at the same time. And it's just, I don't know. I, the only, only explanation I can come up with is the bright lights because they are a lot of young guys they didn't seem tired, per se, like, like all right, we're done playing baseball. They just seemed to not be able to hit good pitches and or any pitches. And it just it kind of fell apart altogether. I don't know. It's just a weird combination of, like, perfect
0: storm of crap. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I look at it as... This this team's obviously set up pretty well for the future. You know, all the young guys who produced really well this year, the Betts, the Bradleys, those kind of guys. Um, and who knows if Jackie Bradley's even on this team next year. You know, he could still be trade bait. But that being said, I, I do think it was the Bright Lights. I think, I don't know what happened to Xander second half of the year, but that continued into the playoffs. But for guys like Mookie Betts, um, this guy is an MVP candidate still, and he couldn't perform at the highest level. So... Not, not, I'm not sitting here and saying I'm worried about his performances in playoffs to come. I, I think it's just the age factor. These guys haven't been in meaningful games. They won the division now, and now there's expectations. There weren't expectations this year. These guys played out of their mind. And now, in coming in, there are expectations. So now you get a feel of what these young guys do when there's expectations. Um, because even end of last year, when they hit so well, there was zero expectation. The season was basically over. So, am I concerned? No, of course not. But it's always something to keep an eye on. Come next year, now there's expectations on them. How do they start? How, how do, do they back up this division with a consistent season? If they make the playoffs, can they handle it? Now, you know, with expectations on, can they do something? Yeah, no, that's a good point. And yeah, maybe they,
2: maybe they needed this. Maybe they needed all being such young.
0: They're so young. They're all so young.
2: You know, they're 23 and younger, 24 yeah. and younger. They're they're young guys, and they haven't really done much of this. And all of a sudden, they get thrown into it. And yeah, it's different. It's different than the regular season. It's different than anything they've seen. So maybe they needed to get swept and realize, okay, we can't just fly through here and just because this team has injuries and they're pitching, we can just get away with it. Now you still got to hit. You still got to hit the guys you're pitching, you're batting against, and they just didn't do that. So I think it's probably important for the development that this happened. It was just an unfortunate time for it to happen with Ortiz and everything. But yeah, most of the teams, young guys, And it's you know you you can't be prepared for it until you're doing it and. Now they did it, and they realize, "Whoa, this maybe isn't so easy. Baseball is hard. Playoffs are difficult. You know, not a lot of teams win. You know, and it's just, it, it's just is what it is."
1: Yeah, in playoffs, especially, you know, I'm sure these young guys went in thinking it's just another game. I know even Rick Porcello said that before Game One that he wasn't nervous about pitching because it's still the same game. But I mean, yeah, it's it's still the same game to a point, but there's so much more on the line. Like all of a sudden, you're it's like a clean slate. Your record doesn't matter. Your stats don't matter. Your strikeout-to-walk ratio doesn't matter. Like, nothing matters in the playoffs except each game-by-game. Like, game. And I think that's what a lot of the, the young guys need had to learn. And unfortunately, they learned it the hard way, which puts a lot of stress and heartbreak on, on us.
2: I love that you made that point because it is totally different. For example, Clay Buchholz came out after four innings in Game 3. He would Garbage. not have come out after four innings in a regular season game. But everything was on the line. You didn't want to give up any more runs. You got pitchers at your disposal, so you play the game differently. So that's yep. exactly what you're saying. You do things totally differently because of the situation. So it's not the same game.
0: Well, look how much Andrew Miller's being used.
2: Exactly. He's not going to come into the fifth inning in the regular season most of the time. No,
0: of course not, but Terry Francona is using him to the, until his arm falls off. So
2: and boy, it's, it's working.
0: <laughs> and, oh, it's totally working. Um, I, would, I wouldn't do it any other way. I think he's managing a brilliant playoff run right now. Of course he is. I love Terry Francona. I think we all do. Um, but look, it, it, playoffs are a different animal. I'm, like I said, I'm not concerned, guys, by any means, um, of seeing this team down the road. I think that this helps. You know, You need some heartache. Um, we had 86 yeah. years of it, you know. 2003 was a big problem <laughs> for a lot of fans, but 2003 happened and made that 2014 better for it, you know. So right. I'm not saying this team's gonna flip around and win a World Series next year, but it makes the, it makes you work that much harder. It gets you hungry. You still have Dustin Pedroia in this team, who is gonna be a huge, even more of a veteran presence next year with Ortiz gone. Oh yeah, so, and you know he'll be ready for it. <laughs> oh, because he hates this. He you know, know? Like, He obviously hates Ortiz losing, but he still has to come back and play next year. Ortiz is going to go right off into the sunset on a nice warm beach and do whatever he wants to do, you know? Or Pedroia has yep. to come back and face the media and play another season. So you know he's going to be ready. He always is. Um, it's just a matter of what Dombrowski can do to fill the holes for what this team needs to be filled. Um, obviously, they're you're going to be healthy next year. You get Blake Swihart back, Carson Smith comes back, Pablo Sandoval probably comes back. So a well, lot of things, the things. There's,
2: really there's really not that many holes. <laughs>
0: Well, the injuries in the caused team. the holes. The
2: injuries caused the holes. Right. So because if everyone's healthy, there really isn't much of holes because they have starting, a really good team.
0: <laughs> starting pitching. Well, yeah,
2: well the starting pitching should be good. Come on.
0: I would still, the no, they have? I understand that, but my point is I would, if I was the Red Sox, I would still go for a top-end guy because right yeah, now you, you don't have anyone yeah. who has the balls to pitch in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, it can't hurt, but it, shouldn't be ne- it should, really shouldn't be necessary if you look at who they have. But I would, trade for,
0: I would trade for Chris Sale still. I would still make that happen
2: you like have to give up a lot to do that. Okay, do might, it. Be worth, might be
0: worth it. Jackie Bradley and a crap ton of prospects. Do it in a heartbeat.
2: But who says Chris Dales in one of the playoffs?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would take the chance. David Price all over again. I would take the chance. Well, but that's a whole other like show. I about David Price, and that didn't work. So. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I mean, okay, David Price, you knew. You've seen it happen. Um, that being said, that's a whole other conversation. We have all winter to talk about that. And I'm sure I'm going to yell at all of you before the winter's over about what were going to happen but that being said um some news did come down today um and I don't know how big of a deal it is I don't know how much he was really involved with Dombrowski being here but Mike Hayson the quote-unquote general manager of the Red Sox um has been hired by the Diamondbacks and that obviously poses the question of who's going to be their next manager And we'll touch on that in a second um but Mike Hazen going to the Diamondbacks. Not really surprised that he wanted to leave because what was he really doing here? (laughs) I,
1: I don't even really know. Like, it was just... It was definitely random. And, I mean, you didn't really hear anything, you know, two seasons ago, even during the Bobby Valentine era, we knew that there was front office trouble. There was this, there was that. And you didn't really hear anything much about that, really, since Dombrowski came in. And it was... I mean, I know the Diamondbacks needed somebody in their front office. I think mean, they need a lot of help, but it's it's just a very random, random move.
2: Well, I mean, the thing with this stuff is, I mean, we, of course, we never know exactly what they do because we're not in the office with them. Pretty um, sure you
0: got Dombrowski's coffee. Like, <laughs> like what well, else? But, he?
2: but no, I mean, if you look at you, you look at his career. I mean, if you, if you look at this stuff, I mean, he was. He worked under John Farrell in Cleveland, you know, like over 10 years ago. Then he came here, kind of worked his way up here, worked with Charrington, and then Dombrowski came here. So, like, he's kind of gone through the ranks. And I've read a couple quotes on him and how people speak very highly of him and how he's, you know, he knows a ton of stuff and he's, he's a really smart dude. So, I think maybe in terms of that, maybe it's a loss. Yeah, I don't really know exactly what he did here, but he's kind of worked his way up for a while. So, he definitely deserves it and maybe they just decided, you know, this was an opportunity that was good for him, but I think it, you know it could hurt because you know it, he could have been doing, you know Dombrowski's job here at some point in his career. You never know, but that's how these things work. You you work your way up, and
0: and then a job opens up, and you take it. So he did. Um, apparently, is it Frank Wren? Is that his first name? Um, yes. Is the, is the favorite to t- potentially take over that spot um, and be basically the assistant general manager on the <laughs> for this team? Um, because oh we yeah. All have-
2: we hired him last year, that's right. Yeah,
0: so we all know that Dave Dombrowski basically runs the show. So um, whoever comes in as the quote-unquote general manager doesn't really do too much to making the final decisions. Um, but we'll have to see there. But the bigger question posed, and I know, Jess, you put it down in the recap for the, preview, for the, um, for the show prep here, but it's a good question. The, the Diamondbacks are probably looking for a new manager. So does Tori Lavulo get the nod because the Red Sox – now gave Lavulo permission to interview this offseason for any open jobs. If he gets phone calls, why wouldn't Mike Hazen give Tori Lavulo a phone call?
1: I mean, why not? You know, the the position's open, and we obviously know what Lavulo can do with the team. You know, we saw him manage the last few months of last season, and I, he did just fine. Um, I think it's something that they'd consider. I i mean i know it's been kind of flying around that he they're gonna talk to him or whatever but i I don't see him leaving the red Sox.
2: i was gonna say time to test his uh his loyalty to john farrell because he's a fiercely loyal fiercely loyal john farrell and you know wanted him to be the manager uh, this year because because he deserved it and it's his team and he's so loyal to him so this will test that loyalty um I mean, I obviously want to keep him because he seems like a good dude and seems like somebody who could help out the team, which he's been doing. But also, on the other hand, he does deserve a managing job, and he's come close a couple times in the past. Maybe this is his opportunity. You know, A, little, little, uh, a team that doesn't get as much publicity, maybe he could get them back going because they've been pretty bad for several years. So I think it's a really good opportunity for him. So I kind of hope, for his sake, that he gets it. But we'll see if he wants it. I mean, maybe he wants to stay here with Farrell. Who knows?
0: If let's say this: if Tory Lavello does leave, what does that do to the locker room? Because Jared Carabas was on is on the Sports Hub every week during the season with with Zoe and Bertrand, and he broke without really breaking. He he unofficially broke the story that all the play because he's talked to the players, saying the players don't want him to leave. The players wanted him to be the manager. They like him better. That's what that's what players were telling Carabas. What happens if he walks away? What does that do to the clubhouse? Because clearly Lavulo has a good kind of feel for that clubhouse, and obviously Lavolpe might want the Red Sox job. It's a better situation if Def- if Farrell does end up getting fired or not getting re-signed. Because right now nothing's in place past next year. So what happens then? You know, like there's a lot of what ifs that if he stays around, or what ifs if he leaves. It'd be a huge decision if he does leave.
2: They really said they like him more than Farrell. I'm yeah, surprised at that. That's what he says. All players I, were telling. All, him. I, all I hear about is how much players like Farrell. So that's
0: surprising to me. That, yeah, that's, what, that's what the Carabas said, and I trust his sources. So hmm. questionable.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what you hear, Lauren? Isn't like that? All I, all I hear is that that everyone loves Farrell in the clubhouse.
1: Yeah, I mean that's what I've heard, and I'm, I know we've talked about on this show before that Farrell is you know a, a player's coach, and that's why it's like the players take to him because. He's just like he caters to each player, and I. It, obviously, that has its downfalls, but also has its positives too. But I mean, I I don't think I've really heard yeah. everyone saying like Lavulo over Farrell.
2: Yeah, that's intriguing. I really would not have guessed that. I, mean, I know people like Lavello too. In addition to Farrell, I didn't know they were going to be picking one over the other. But in terms of how it's going to fight the clubhouse, yeah, I mean, it's important. He's a he's a bench coach. He's one of the one of the more important coaches, and uh, if the players like him that much, then it might hurt. So he might take a lot of consideration and uh, and stay. But he also might say, "I want to be a manager. I want to further my career, and it might be better to start in a place like Arizona because if you start here and you not have a good season, everyone's going to be all over you, as we yeah. know. So yeah. it might. This may not be the best place for him to start.
0: Yeah. I, if I was him, I would get out of here. Yeah. And I would go manage the Diamondbacks if Mike, if if, if Hazen called him. I would totally go. No questions asked. Um, obviously, I think it's going to be into the clubhouse. I believe Karabas the sources. I, I mean, I'm not sitting here saying they think that Farrell's an, an ass clown or anything like that. Uh, I just think that they do like Levolo. I think that they were shocked when he wasn't named a manager. I, I don't think people expected Farrell to be back. Um, and I just think that. It would be a hit to the players because I think the players do get along with him, and you saw that even when he took over for Farrell when he did go in for cancer treatment. It was they responded really well, and they played, and they I think Lavulo has a good hold on that clubhouse. So it's an intriguing conversation. Um, it's definitely he something. He seems like such a
2: nice guy too. He seemed, like when he did his interviews, like the normal Farrell interviews. He seemed like such a nice guy. He really handled it well. Oh, he like really, you know he really responded to every question really good. So I can see why everyone would like him. He, he seemed like a really good dude.
0: Yeah, it seems like, short, he's definitely gonna, seems like he's definitely going to be a guy who is a player's manager when he does take over a team. Um, he, he screams that kind of manager. And, and you're right, he seems like a really nice dude, and um, I think he screams that kind of manager. So we'll see, obviously, what a team he takes over, um, whether it be Red Sox next year, Diamondbacks this year, who knows. Uh, there's a lot going on there. But that being said, nice easy segue into the conversation that we really should have is John Farrell's here through 2017. Um no commitments past that from Dombrowski. Um, obviously, you, you guys know I don't agree with that, but my weirdest thing about the press conference was right before Dombrowski came out, Farrell was talking about, well, I don't know about my future. I haven't been told anything. I'm, I'm planning on being the manager, but I haven't been told for sure. And then right after that, Dombrowski comes out, someone asks him about it, and then Dombrowski goes, well, John Farrell's our manager for 2017. I just told him that. He just came through the door, and I just talked to him and told him right now. And it's like, if Farrell didn't say that, would Dombrowski have said that right then and there? Like, did Farrell instigate him getting an extension? Like, what—I what, mean, do you guys understand why I'm confused? And that was weird. Well, well I mean—sorry, go ahead. I
1: was going to say, I can understand, like, why you're confused, but at the same time— kind of weird. If, if, if Farrell—yeah, you are. If, if Farrell goes out to the podium, like— unsure of where his job stands at that point and he gets asked about it he's not going to sit there and be like yeah well I'll be back as far as I know blah 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 like if he doesn't know he doesn't know and you know I know he has a weird way of kind of answering questions but he's always like honest about it so I mean I think it's just Farrell being Farrell.
0: Farrell's not honest Farrell beats around the bush a lot Um, I knew you were going to say that Guys you really think he's honest? I think that he's I think he beats around the bush a little bit, but he, I mean, he answers bit. the question. David yeah. Price's stuff was really good tonight. You know, his best stuff was that curveball. No, that, yeah. Um, but no, that being he, said,
2: he thinks about the politically correct way to answer a question and thinks about what he says. So he's thoughtful, at least. I don't, I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if "honest" is the best word, Lauren. But I mean, it could be. I don't know the guy personally, but he's. I mean, he certainly just thoughtful and thinks
0: about answers to his questions and thinks about what he's saying. Because my, my thought process with Dave Dombrowski's response was if Farrell didn't say that, like, you know, if he just said, yeah, I expect to be back, you know, I'm I'm the manager of this team, as far as I know, that kind of thing. Um, it might not come up with Dombrowski because then Dombrowski made a point to say, I just told Farrell his, him and his entire staff are coming back. Most, most situations they would say, you know, we're going to look at it. Um, John Farrell did great things for us, and we're going to review the team as a whole, roster included. We just want to take the, take this in and understand why we lost, um, and we're going to move forward as a team and an organization. You know, it's like some type, like politically correct answer, you know, um, but he came out and said it, and then on top of that, to say the whole staff is guaranteed a job, eh, What eh, did, what did Carl Willis do this year that really deserves his job back?
2: Well, I guess he just wants to keep everyone together, because they had such a good season this year, and I guess he just wanted to to erase all doubts with that, but I don't think what Dombrowski said had anything to do with anything Farrell said, really. I, I, I believe that he thought that he had that plan before that happened. And Well, no, how he, he started... didn't
0: just say it. He was asked a question, and he said, well, I figured you were going to ask that. I just talked to That's John. That's what
2: I was about to say. He said, I, he said, I, I figured you were going to ask that question. So like, he already knew it was coming, so he already had his answer. So I don't think that he just, on a whim like, right there a minute after Farrell's press conference said, yeah, you know what, I think that we should have the whole staff back. I think he probably thought about it a little bit more than that before that. Well, I'm sure and, he's
0: been thinking about it I, since, since uh, spring training, because been probably been on a short leash all year considering the ups, and you know what I mean? But, like, I think that I don't think he would have said anything if it didn't come up in the Farrell press conference, and the Farrell didn't seem so, like, I wouldn't say confused, but like, not sure, because he right away defended it with, I just told him right outside the door, he came through and I told him he had his job back, you know what I mean? So, like, I don't think it would have been that forward if 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 Farrell didn't say anything. And now look, the Farrell returning of, like, whatever, is defendable. I, I, I get it. I get why people would make the argument um, because they won the American League East, all this stuff. If he gets married to the year, I'll probably gag. But that being said, I understand why it's defendable for, the, for next year. I'm still in a believer that if he didn't get sick, he probably would have lost his job. Um, but... I I think the whole staff thing is a bigger issue. I think you should take the time to look at the staff. He could have easily just said, you know, John Farrell's going to be our manager next year, and in regards to the staff, we'll we'll review everybody and see if there's a need for a change, but we'll kind of keep that internal and see where it goes. Um, You know, it's just little things like that. I'm not sitting here to trash on Dombrowski by any means, but um, I I just think that it could have been handled a little better, um, and I I don't think the whole staff deserves their job back by any means either.
1: I mean... uh we know how Dombrowski is. We knew the kind of person he was. Come when he was hired, and now he is in a position where some changes could be made. But at the same time, when you finish a season, you know with ninety-three wins, AL East title. I mean, I'll go. I'll say that a hundred times over until I sound like a broken record. It's hard to justify really changing anyone. And I can understand Willis just because of the entire pitching situation is really just a mess. I get, I get that. But at the same time, maybe there's a chemistry there that he sees, or maybe, like, you know, it's, you know, Farrell with the players. Maybe Willis is like that with his his pitchers, and maybe there's just something there that they see that we don't see because we're not on the inside.
2: Yeah, and I, I I mean, in terms of Willis, like, I mean, come on. Rick Porcello could win Cy Young, 22 wins. Stephen Wright had a great season until he got hurt. Um Rodriguez got better as the season went along. The bullpen was incredible in September. I mean, what's there really, to really harp on about Willis? I mean, he did what he needed to do. The pitching got a lot better, and the team won 93 games, so what's the point of changing him? Who else are you going to get?
0: I just think that as a whole, the pitching staff should have been better than it was as a whole, the whole season. Um, I understand. Well, yeah, I got
2: David better. Price is David Price, but.
0: <laughs> Beginning of the season, I don't think. Th- Carl Willis fixed David Price. I think Dustin Pedroia and David Price fixed David Price. I think John Farrell helped fix David Price. I don't think I think Carl Willis is I don't think Carl Willis is a great pitching coach by any means. Um, I think John Farrell has more to do with it than Carl Willis, as well as apparently Dustin Pedroia, because every time there's a problem, he seems to fix it. Um, Wait, you think David Price is fixed? He <laughs> looked too good to me. <laughs> well, besides the, the playoffs, I'm not saying playoffs. I'm saying as a whole. He figured out okay. why he was, was pitching poorly, and it was fixed right. at the end of the year. right? He was pitching well before the playoffs. So mm-hmm. the playoffs are a whole different animal. We're not going there because he's an idiot in the playoffs. <laughs> he's not going to get out of his own way. But I was kind of worried taking a dig on him again because I can. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, I just think that the reason why you lost and the reason why this team didn't go as far as they should have was mostly pitching. I think the playoffs aside, pitching should have been better than it was. The offense yeah. couldn't have been any better. Chili Davis did a phenomenal job with this team this year, um, getting them ready to go. Young kids had great approaches at the plate. They really knew how to hit the ball. Um, so obviously he deserves his job, but I just think that the pitching could have been overall a lot better.
2: I mean, honestly, I, I, I see it just the way I was saying in the, in the show before where the players play the game and... That's what happens, you know? The players play the game. So, great. The hitters were great. Chili Davis was safe. The pitching wasn't great. It, to, in total, so Carl could should be better. Gone. Or so, Carl Will should no, be gone, then. But they got better, so they did their job. So, and they got 93 wins. So, who are we to say that he should lose his job? You know, whatever. They won 93 games, won at least They had
0: a good season. So, keep everyone. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, see, I still hate that argument. That argument is the worst. Because pit managers and coaches can be blamed for things. Like, it's something where I don't understand how, I understand the players play the game, and I and I want to support that argument in some fashions here, but, like, if a player isn't getting better or they're regressing, you have to blame that on the managers because the managers aren't figuring out what's wrong. You know, the players can only do so much, and if a manager's not getting helping them or if a pitching coach isn't helping them figure out or if a bat or hitting coach isn't fixing someone's swing, then the players aren't going to get better. So you have to put some aspect on the managers, plus you can't fire a whole team.
2: Yeah, but no one ever knows what the pitching coach, what the hitting coach, what they're doing. You know, like, you don't see the day-to-day. Maybe you hear a story here or there, but who's to say that Chili Davis did anything? The offense is just good. They have good players. Who's to say he did crap? Maybe they should fire him just because they can fire him. Like, but Who who knows what he did? Same thing with Willis. Who knows what he did? Who knows what he fixed? Who knows what he didn't fix? You don't know this stuff. So, like, I, I think so for me, I would just trust what Dombrowski says because he knows what they do. He's there. I don't know what they do. I don't know if they're good or not.
0: You ha- you have to have a feel of what they do because this offense was the best in the league and they don't stay consistently good if they don't have eyes on the film, they don't have a good hitting coach breaking down the film and really being consistent with helping them prepare for games, learn the approaches, do all the scouting and help their and help the hitter succeed. Um Whereas, same thing with pitching. You have to have guys break down film, understand what's wrong with their mechanics. Why are they why are they missing over the plate? Why was Clay Buckhole so bad at the beginning of the year? Why was David Price so bad? It's little things like that where they weren't consistent, and I put that on the coaches sometimes. You have to.
1: It, it's such a hard – I mean, this is such a hard topic. We can talk, like beat this down for hours, but, I mean, yes, some of it – should go on the managers and the coaches, but I think, Jared, you're putting too much blame on them because, I mean, it's only been, I mean, David Price has been on this team for a year. Stephen Wright shouldn't have even been on the starting roster, and look what he did. And, I mean, you can't, it's been, it was one season that, you know, look at Jess, like Rick Porcello. Like, it's, it's such a weird and hard topic to really break down, but, I mean, you can't just really give up on the entire, not the entire staff, but you can't give up on one specific coach just for, for one season where it didn't really, they didn't look their best. I mean, David Price could bounce back next season. Maybe it was just first season first season jitters in Boston. I mean, we could say that about Rick Porcello, who was not very good his first season. We were ready to get rid of him. And maybe there's something that they're all going to work on in the off season and in spring training. And we don't know. I, I hope that's the case.
0: But there's yeah, just I so mean, many. There's so many cases where you, there's it's just idiotic things that you have to blame the manager for. John Farrell, do you blame John Farrell for the Stephen Wright injury?
2: More than I blame him for anything else. Yeah.
0: Okay. At least you put blame on that because that's obvious. <laughs>
2: um, well, yeah. When he got hurt, that's kind of like cause and effect. But
0: yeah. Yeah, I don't, can... I don't know.
2: With 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 Carl Lewis, how could you? Same thing with Farrell. How can you justify firing him? You know the the bullpen got way better. They improved. They had a potential Cy Young. David Price won 17 games at a 228 strikeouts. Stephen Wright had 13 wins in a season. He probably shouldn't have been in the rotation. I mean, how can you justify that? I don't. I don't see how you can.
0: Because they still. Because this team didn't lacked pitching when it mattered most. He didn't help make the adjustments. He did, that part of the game was lacking when they needed it most. You know, down the stretch, toward, obviously they won well in September. That was the offense's fault. That 11 game winning streak, offense. Um, it's little things like that. I give more credit for Joe Kelly in the bullpen to the AAA coach than I do to Carl Willis. Because Joe Kelly came up and all of a sudden was good in the bullpen. So, How do you know
2: that wasn't Carl Willis? You don't know that. Unless you were there, he, were you there? Because
0: he came up and was automatically good in the bullpen. He didn't have any issues when he came up in the bullpen. He was fixed in AAA. A.
1: I mean I wouldn't say he was fixed in the bullpen and I think at the same time we've had the discussion you know, I think we even had this discussion last season with about Kelly where we agreed he'd be better in the bullpen because he can go, you know, four or five innings and he has better stuff in the early innings than he does later in the games. And that could just be Joe Kelly as a person. That just that can't really fall on a coach.
0: Okay, and Lauren too, that, that all that can also pose the question and obviously we wanted to go in this in this kind of direction as well. That means what What does the team have to do for next year then? Um, is it something where the players just have to come out and see if they perform better, and what adjustments do this team have to make to potentially get over the hump of being swept by
1: Cleveland in the first round? I mean, I don't think it's just one thing. I think, you know, the bullpen obviously needs work, but they're going to get that relief help with Carson, um, Carson Wentz, wow, Carson Smith coming back. <laughs> and... uh you know he's not going to provide all the relief, but he's going to be. I really believe he's going to be a solid arm in that bullpen. And you know if Kelly can stay how he was, I think that's going to be fine. But I mean, there's a lot of things, and they have a, they don't have a lot of holes to to fill this season. It's more like what can they do to to be better? And it's I think it's a lot of It's going to rely on on pitching because we obviously have seen the offense and best in the league all year. If they can just keep doing that next year, then it's really just pitching, that's the, the big concern.
2: Yeah, I mean it's they really there really aren't that many holes. It's you know, I think in terms of the pitching, they just need to perform. David Price needs to perform, Craig Kim Kimbrell needs to perform. Nothing says they will both won't have great seasons next year. If you have Kimbrell in the ninth and, and uh Smith in the eighth, and if Koji's still around, you know, him in the seventh or sixth, Joe Kelly God, in the seventh or sixth.
0: Please tell me Koji's not gonna be around next year. He is so old. Who cares? He's still good. He's still no, good he, when he, he wants to he, be. He needs him <laughs> <and> he, yeah, <laughs> when he wants to be. Is the key key statement you just made? When when, when he's healthy. So yeah, I get Tozawa off p- this team and get Koji off this team ASAP.
2: No, get Tozawa off. Yes, Koji. Not so sure about that one. But either way, the bullpen could be very good if they want to be. The starters could be very good. I don't see a whole lot of holes there. Sure, go for a really good pitcher if you can get him. If you can't, don't go up too much, but I don't know how hard they're going to try necessarily because they do have good pitchers and the offense. Yeah. You just got to do their thing. You know, David Ortiz is gone. Yeah. But you got a lot of good players. You got into the playoffs this year. Um, the, really the only situation to figure out is the Pablo Sandoval, Travis Shaw, Hanley Ramirez. Do we
0: get another player? Those, what do you guys do with that situation? Four, but... What do you guys do with that situation?
1: Oh God, what a mess. <laughs>
0: if you're Dave Dombrowski, what do you do?
1: Oh, thank God a lot, Dave Dombrowski.
2: <laughs> well, I'll answer first if you want to think about it. Um yeah. <laughs> I, obviously you gotta give Sandoval a chance because he missed the whole year. You sign him for all that money to be good. So you hope he comes back and he's good. Who knows if he will be. So I think you gotta give him a chance at third. Maybe not a long chance, but you gotta start with him, I think. And then Does he have to earn does he have to earn the job back though, or is it his? I think he should earn the job back in some way. I think it's probably more likely his than not if he does remotely good then he'll probably have it back I wouldn't quite guarantee it but maybe close to guarantee if that's right or not I don't know but I think so I have started him at third um and really the biggest question with it is what does Hanley want to do because before the season everyone thought well of course you slide Hanley right there at DH when Ortiz has gone no problem but Hanley played well at first base. He enjoyed first base and maybe it keeps him in the game more and keeps his hitting going. Cause he's more in the flow of the game. So he might want to stay at first. So then that, then the question is, do you transfer around DH? You put Travis Shaw there, you put Brock Holt there, you put other guys there who, you know, kind of cycle through like basically every other team in the league does. Who doesn't have David Ortiz, which is everybody. So, do you do that, or do you get someone like Edwin Encarnacion if you're able to, and then just drop Shaw off the face of the earth? So really, the, I think the biggest question is, what does Hanley want to do? And you kind of have to take it from there, because that's kind of the big thing.
0: Okay, well, what, what Hanley wants to do, and what the team wants him to do, is a big difference. Um, well, what does he want to do? I don't know. He played so Hanley, well at first, that might be better. Does Hanley have a say in this? I think he should.
1: Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think, he, I think he will. I think they'll... They'll pull him aside if they haven't already, and just kind of sit down and talk with him. Like, listen, obviously our plan was for you to be the DH after Ortiz retired, and you know you did so well at first. You really seem to enjoy yourself. Like, what what does Hanley want? And I think that's going to be huge for obviously how they approach the off season and how they approach a first base or a DH. It's it's going to be really interesting.
0: Yeah, Do you think I Hanley look- has a choice, Jared. Um, I don't know because I, my gut says no just because of the way Dombrowski typically runs the show. Um, his way or the highway, you know, it's just his mantra. So my gut says no. My gut says he's going to be your DH. And then they figure out first base because Pablo will be your third baseman. Um, that's what I think is going to happen. Um, and if that's the case, please go get Encarnacion to play first base. <laughs> because right. – that would be phenomenal. I don't care. I don't care what you throw at him for money. He deserves it. He'd be phenomenal for this team. And he fills a must-needed void, obviously, with the bat um, of Ortiz. But then again, on, Jared, Atlanta. but then again, Encarnacion's older than
2: Hanley Ramirez, so why don't you just put Hanley at first and Encarnacion at DH? Why, why do the because, other and,
0: because why would Encarnacion sign here? He wants to play defense still. If he can play defense somewhere else, he's going to go somewhere else. You have to give him what he wants for him to sign here. Why does he's he have
2: preference over someone who's already been here, though?
0: Well, because if you want him on your team, you have to give him preference. Because he's already come out and said that he doesn't want to DH. He wants to still play first base. So if you want him, you're going to have to give him that.
2: But I think, I don't know, with Hanley, I feel like it's so, he's the kind of player, you know, he didn't want to play left field, and he showed he didn't want to play left field. He whined about it. He didn't play well and basically forced his way out of left field. Then they said, all right, you're playing first base. And he was like, oh, yeah, man, let's play first base. Gold glove, you know championship don't say gold great don't say, great. Glove. Don't say blah blah, glove. blah no but he did he said go glove at the beginning he wanted to get oh, a well, glove yeah yeah and you know so he was all in he was like i'm doing this i'm ready so like i feel like his attitude of where he plays is a huge factor in how he plays and if okay, he plays like he did this year next year that's huge so maybe you do like, what he wants
0: i think a big thing for hanley now is and obviously i think this came up too in his um his players tribune article the day the, the day of game one about playing winter ball in the playoffs did you guys read that did you read that I did. It was, no. that was yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, it was. It gave me chills for game one. Like it was exciting. Um, he was talking about how he just always grew up watching the Red Sox. Once he got signed by them, and um, and then he seeing Ortiz play "quote unquote" winter ball because it was so cold and um, for the, in the playoffs, and he wanted to do that, and he finally got his chance to do that for the Red Sox this year. That being said, I think winning well, here Sox is didn't really- win. <laughs> yeah, that's, it, was so, it was so great. Like, I was so pumped up for game one after reading that. And then Hanley had a good game, so so exciting. But um, that being said, I think a huge part of it is he wants to win here. I think he does want to win. I think he wants what's best for the team because it's here. Um, so if you go to him and say, hey, we know you love to hit. You thrive off hitting. Not to say you're not going to play first base at all this year because they could flip-flop. You know, Encarnacion can get some games at DH. Um, but we want to bring Encarnacion in in to make this team better to really make a push. I think at this point in his career, being back here, I think he's going to listen and probably say okay to that.
2: I mean, honestly, I think that yeah, for some reason, I don't know how, how I'm saying this, but I was comfortable with him at first base, and I kind of I him because he was into it. No, but I'm saying I can't believe that I'm saying this because I would have never thought I'd say this. But oh, like, no one, no one so
0: would have.
2: Right. So for, but for me, I'm, so I'm sitting here like,
0: yeah, Put him at first base. Screw it, Icaracion like says. Put him at DH. I, I kind of want that to happen. I don't know. Okay, but you're not going to sign him if he wants to play. You know. You know what I mean? Do you get what I'm saying? Because he's a free agent. Why not? So he's one of the best hitters in the league. Freaking put him at DH. That's where he yeah, belongs. But, yeah, I understand that, but it's not what he wants. If it's not what he wants, he's not going to sign your stupid contract.
1: Right. He's but a free it,
0: agent. He has no. Ch- he has the choice.
1: But if so, if he wants to have a choice, like I feel like you can't sign him here and kind of tell Hanley he doesn't get the choice. Like I that's not going to yeah. have any good chemistry for the team. That's going to okay.
0: I'm not I'm not saying that. My point is if if Hanley's if you really want Hanley's okay and he says it's okay, then yeah. But my point is you can't just bring him in because you want him to hit DH. If he doesn't want to just play DH, then he's not going to come here.
2: Tell him to suck it up if he wants to come to a winning organization then
0: then Who's it wait, hold, who's in the L- Who's in the ALCS right now?
2: Yeah, I know who's in the ALCS right now, but this, the Red Sox have had more more of a championship pedigree than the Blue Jays have. That's a fact. Hey,
0: hey, the Blue Jays are going in the right direction.
2: No, they are. But if he wants to leave, if he wants to go test the free agency and he wants to play for a good team, then suck it up and DH here and deal with it.
0: See, now, now you're wishful thinking and you're being a homer. If, <laughs> he's if, old. I mean,
2: he's old and he's still really good. So DH is perfect. It's a great place old, for him.
0: But he's still really good at first base. Yeah, so, well... Hanley's good too. So yeah, okay, but like if I if okay, if you said to me, if you gave me Hanley Ramirez or Edwin Encarnacion at first base, I'm taking Edwin Encarnacion. All right, to play first base defensively, aren't you? He's he's better than Hanley at first base. Yeah, but Hanley has the passion of first base. He's
2: pumped. He's pumping his fist. He's ready. He's like, "Yeah, I'm playing first base." Is that cross the like that? I don't know. And you don't, and don't. You don't think
0: don't, Hanley can bring that to being a designated hitter? All he has to do is hit four times a day, and he's pumped up when he hits. He's jacked up when he gets the big hits on the. Like, you know, he may like,
2: not. He may not be as into it. And here's the biggest question: Is he gonna be? Is he gonna be able to survive without Ortiz? Ortiz is his man. Is this? Is this gonna like?
0: Is he gonna fall apart and turn into a basket case again? I hope not.
1: No, God, I hope not. Well, that's a huge
0: question mark, but that has nothing to do with what position he plays. That's a matter of if Justin Pedroia can be a good role model for him and keep him under wraps.
2: Right. Hopefully, but is not Ortiz. He's not Dominican. He's not blah, 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 you know, all that stuff. Okay, but you know know. Ortiz is
0: probably going to phone call him, like, every five minutes. That's true. It's not like he died. It's not going anywhere. (laughs) He's probably still going to be up here half the season anyway. He's probably going to get a job with the Red Sox and, like, Pedro and Wakefield and be in every ceremony because, hey, they're there anyway.
2: Hey, don't forget about Attack. (laughs)
0: <laughs> hey, your best friend came back to visit you. Jason Veritek, Tim Wakefield. He came right. all the way from across the street. Yeah, they, they work. They work. They work next door. They work for the team. Like they're they, they're always here. He sees them probably every at least twice a week for dinner. Like, relax.
2: Welcome, your best friend, Jason Veritek. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. It's you it, slept over at his house last night. Yeah, welcome
0: your uh, welcome your bar buddy, Jason Veritek. Yeah, like it's just <laughs> uh, it's awful. I hate that crap so much. Oh, uh, God, look. We're gonna babble on this all off season. It's a long off season. We know we have stuff to talk about, but it's an interesting kind of dilemma in what Dave Dombrowski has to deal with. You know, look at look at us. We're have a heated argument right now over what he's gonna do. What do you think he's gonna be going on in that room during the off season? The amount of arguments right. they're gonna get in. You know, they're like,
2: all gonna be saying the same things. What if this guy? did? Well, what about him? What about if he? Did, what? That's
0: no, yeah. a great argument. It's a good, good. I mean, good problem. Biggest difference is they'll be able to pick up the phone and go, "Hey, Hanley, what do you think about de aging?" um unfortunately we don't have that luxury so um we should figure that out though we should be able to do that let's get Hanley on speed dial um that'd be fun <laughs> we, should, we should have that power right we're popular enough um that's that's obviously all your red Sox uh news we'll obviously keep you up to date as the off season's going along here through the playoffs and and that sort of thing but it's very exciting obviously um with everything that's going on and um, everything coming up in the off season, obviously not the way you wanted the season to end. But that being said, um, a lot of stuff going to happen to potentially make this team better for next year. And of course, all your Red Sox news was brought to you by uh, Blue Apron. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron achieves this by, of course, supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and of course, building a community of home chefs. Um, some of the meals available in October. Crispy chicken, mayonnaise with warm Brussels sprouts, celery, and potato salad. Uh, roasted pork steamed buns with bar, uh, black garlic mayonnaise and spicy cabbage slaw. I'm getting that one in the mail tomorrow. I'm very excited. It sounds delicious. Um, as well as seared salmon and fall vegetable hash with apple brown butter dressing. That sounds delicious, and I, too. And I, and I had that last night. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds delicious. I'm assuming it was, so assuming, good. was it good. Yeah. Oh, it, was, um, oh, it was great.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And... For less than $10 per meal, Blue Aprons is delivering seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals, whether it's Japanese, the ramen noodles, wild cod, Alaskan salmon, or anything I just mentioned on the menu in October. It's delicious, and it's phenomenal, and and guys, we're going to help you get started with it. So go to... Blueapron.com slash Red Sox Beat. Type that right up in the URL box, and you're going to check out this week's menu as well. You'll get your first three meals for free with free shipping. Uh, you're going to love the way how good it feels, it tastes, and uh, how to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Again, that's Blueapron.com slash Red Sox Beat. Uh, Blue Apron, of course, a better way to cook. Guys, they're, they're our sponsor. We all use them. We love them, and it's great to have them still. For sure.
2: Yeah, it's the, uh, it's the it's the way to do it. You get the recipe, you get the time, you cook it. And you, get to save, and you get to night. save
0: the recipes because they send you the cards,
2: which is awesome. Right. No, I did, I did that a couple of weeks ago. I looked back at an old recipe and got the ingredients and made the same thing again, and it was great. But yeah, I had the I had, yeah, salmon last night. Ate it while watching SNL. It was a great night. Yeah, love week. me some SNL. <laughs> right. I ate it while watching Alec Baldwin impersonate Donald Trump to the highest. He, <laughs> Alec Baldwin is better at Trump than Trump is at Trump.
0: Sorry, that's Trump, a gaff. <laughs> ter- Trump is a terrible Trump. So right. anyone's I probably better.
2: Is Trump? <laughs> oh, that's
0: great. I love SNL skits of uh, of presidential candidates. Those are the best. Those they're so great. perfect, just, they're and they're just on as point. Good as the actual debates. Yeah, oh, they're yeah. so good. They're so good. Um, before we get out of here, um, we can go however long we want. It's our show. Uh, um, obviously, the postseason still going on despite the Red Sox being out. Um, and we do want to get to a little bit of Red Sox um, baseball later on, but we do want to get to some MLB baseball as well um, because of the fact that we love playoff baseball. So that being said, um, the Dodgers beat the Nationals. That's kind of the big storyline, I think, for me coming out of the ALDS uh, and the NLDS is the Nationals lost again um, these guys can't get out of their own way in the playoffs. They, suck. they really can't, they really can't figure it out. And I kind of assume this year is the year, you know, you bring in a, guy, a couple guys and you really start to show kind of success. And now, um, and now they do it again. And of course, of all people, the Dodgers, I hate the Dodgers, I'm not a fan. I never am, but Dodgers are playing the Cubs now. Um, and I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I wish the nationals won.
2: Yeah. The Dodgers are boring. I, I, don't really like watching them play either and I agree I don't really like them either but yeah I mean, the Nationals they can't prove it to us and every season oh yeah it's the year it's the year for the Nationals and every year I say it's not the year for the Nationals because everyone thinks it is and it never is so I'd never pick them and boom here they are again losing in the first round again they just for some reason they just suck in the playoffs
1: yeah I don't know what it is and what they cannot figure out for the life of them but and I, I'm right there with you about the Dodgers I mean it's just like I said, that was the series I really kind of just forgot about, and they did make it an exciting series. It was the best but... series
0: there was. <laughs> yeah, <I'll laughs> say, no one wanted to watch it, but it was the best one.
1: It was great. It, it, good for Dave Roberts, because I know we had questions about him coming into the beginning of this year for getting his team this far, but at the same time, like, you know, the game's on right now, Chicago and L.A., and uh, Chicago just hit one of L.A.'s players, but it's just like, it's so, I'm not entertained by by the Dodgers you know I know there's Kershaw and they have good pitching always gotta love Adrian Gonzalez but it's like you know wh- where's the fun like where's the Blue Jays and Indian series that's such a fun series to watch and this I'm just like can the Cubs just wrap this up so they can just go to the World Series
0: yeah and go. I'm gonna look, Kershaw, no the Dodgers. Kershaw picked phenomenal pitched phenomenal but it just shows that maybe the Dodgers did need a new voice you know when they hired Dave Roberts. Maybe they just really needed that change um, to make the biggest difference. And and they're winning right now in Chicago. So who knows? Maybe they do get over the hump.
2: Yeah, I'm happy for Roberts. I mean, I don't like the Dodgers, but I like him, obviously. He's a great guy. He's a happy guy. He's a nice guy. He's a Red Sox legend for one play. For one stolen base. (laughs) (laughs) Which that
1: anniversary is tomorrow. Is it? It is. It came Um, up. It's funny. It came up on my time hop today that I retweeted last year that, It was the anniversary tomorrow. We're going to find it. Yeah, so tomorrow, three years ago, it said tomorrow is the ninth anniversary of Dave Roberts filling second base. So, (laughs) wow. That's (laughs) crazy.
0: That's awesome. Um, So, yeah, Dave Roberts is everywhere. (laughs) Do the Cubs have a chance of losing this series realistically, though? They're pretty pretty damn good. Yeah, I think anybody has any chance to lose any series. Yeah, I mean, Comment. I think... I hate that answer. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. So it's sounded like John Farrell on that. You sounded like John Farrell. Well, I mean, <laughs> any, I mean any, chances, <laughs> any given Sunday, like, stop.
1: I mean, I think the Cubs are going to win. Yeah. I, think. I think they're going to take the series, but I don't think... I mean, it's going to be pitcher's duels throughout all throughout, kind of like how the Giants were, so it's going to be that.
0: Does this go seven? Yeah. It could go seven.
1: I think it's going to go five. Five? Wow.
0: Wow. Okay. I'm assuming I, I mean, the I Cubs think... winning.
1: <laughs> yes. I just yeah, yeah, I think the Cubs are definitely gonna take it, but I mean I I don't think it's gonna go seven. I think it's I I think the Dodgers are gonna win tonight and then the Cubs are just gonna be like, Meh, whoops. Never mind. Oh and just win the yeah, rest. I
2: think, I think the opposite. I think if the Dodgers win tonight and uh tie it up at one, I think it definitely could go seven. At least six or seven. I think yeah, I think it's a good matchup. The Dodgers are definitely a good team. I don't know if they're as good as the Cubs. I mean they weren't in the regular season, but yeah, I think winning this game would be really important for them, and I think they, they definitely have a chance.
0: Uh, AL side, of course, the Blue Jays are playing the Indians, as we know. Um, Cleveland's up 2-0. Game three is Monday um, back in Toronto. Guys, Cleveland's look really good. Francona's leaning on Andrew Miller again. Um, and it's making me feel better that Cleveland's at least winning um, and still looking like the team that, that they were when they swept the Red Sox.
2: It's making me feel worse to Andrew Miller's incredible, and basically winning their series single-handedly because we should have
0: them. <laughs> well, yeah, ignore that part of it. There's a lot of part, ex- Red Sox, that Sox that in the playoffs part. right now, so ignore all of I that. Know.
2: It's great. I know you have to. It's true. Yeah, Cleveland was great. 2-1 uh, to one and 2 to nothing wins are really good. Their pitching is on point. Their pitching was great against the Red Sox. Clearly, their pitching is really good, even though they don't have two of their three best pitchers, which makes no sense. How good would they be with those pitchers? That's the thing you never know. I mean, they, they could be worse if they had those pitchers. For all we know, they could crack. They could be bad. You never know. So they're using what they have, and they've won five games in a row in the postseason. They won championships since 1948. Um, I'm getting more and more on their on their bandwagon as they go. Franco is doing a masterful job, like always, and they've shut a Jays offense that is really good to 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 one run in two games. That's really impressive.
0: You go know, it would be crazy if Cleveland goes to the World Series to play the Cubs if that happens. Um, not even the Red Sox ties, not Theo and, and Tito, not that battle, but the fact that these two cities have been in misery for so long. Like for winning, they both have such good
2: teams this year. Yeah. It's cool. Like,
0: like obviously the Cavs won for Cleveland, so that drought ended. But they're still baseball. The Indians, baseball, still, have their the Indians yeah. still have their drought and obviously the Cubs we know they are. So like to have two teams who really do need a championship bad for their city in terms of baseball um Chicago anything honestly Chicago could use besides the Blackhawks they don't really have much um so I think this is I, I'm rooting for Cleveland Cubs because I think it'd just be the most intriguing World Series matchup and anytime you get the if you get the Cubs and you're just going to hear stories about oh, back in the day when last time the Cubs won the World Series like you're going to get all that crap but I'm okay with that because I want them in the World Series especially because I picked them the beginning of the year, so um, really hoping that comes true. But um, I'm assuming you guys want that matchup too, it's kind of the dream matchup.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if I can't have Red Sox Cubs, I'd rather go Indians Cubs, and I think that would just be a crazy fun series, you know, with the offense and the pitching on both sides. It's just like that. I, I feel like if that is the World Series matchup, that would easily go seven games.
2: Yeah, that'd be a really fun matchup, I think. Obviously, the Cubs would have the edge because of the the Indians pitch, not having their pitchers. But then again, the Indians haven't lost the game, so maybe not. Um, yeah, that'd be a really fun series. Uh, I think that'd be huge. It'd be kind of sad because either Francona or Vio would have to lose, which would be sad. Oh, and all the players, obviously. But yeah, uh, that would be fun. That'd be really fun, especially with how long it's been for both of them. But then again, the thing with these teams in it right now, it's been a long time for all four teams that are left. You know, they they all haven't won. The Blue Jays won the last championship of these four teams, and that was 22 years ago, 23 yeah. years ago. So it's a drought for everybody. So something's going to change no matter what happens, which is kind of fun.
0: Yeah, and obviously a lot of storylines going in with ex-Red Sox players and just great Baseball to be watched. So enjoy the playoff baseball, considering it's almost over, and then we'll be back in the depths of winter with no baseball, and Lawrence countdown will officially begin uh, until well, spring training.
1: <laughs> Twenty-nine days till pitches and catches report. So.
0: Uh, there it is, it, it, and, it be, and it begins. We should have like a running tally on the website, just like Lawrence, Lawrence <laughs> yeah. preseason countdown, Lawrence spring training countdown. Um, that being said, don't forget, of course, um, this show was brought to you by Blue Apron and Audible. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Red Sox Beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. We'll be back next week, of course, um, talking more about the postseason. Uh, if anything, Red Sox comes up, we will touch base, and then obviously we'll dive more into the offseason talk once the World Series is completed. Um, so enjoy the baseball this week. Obviously, playoff baseball is at its highest right now, and enjoy it. It's fun for what it is. Um, for Lauren Campbell and Jess Thomas, I am Derek Scali. This has been Red Sox Beat. Here on CLS Radio, we'll be back next week.